I'm reading from the verse 20 of John 21. And we're paying attention to these moments in time. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following. This was, of course, John. It's interesting that the Bible describes the disciple that Jesus loved and the person who wrote that was John. (laughs) He loves me. (laughs) I'm his favorite. The description was that leaned on his breast at supper, so that means he's, he's... reflecting back to the closeness that John had at the last, what would be the Passover. And verse 21, Peter seeing him, John said to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? And Jesus said to Peter, if I will tarry, or if I will that, I'm sorry, if I will that he tarry, Till I come, what is it to thee? Follow me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that 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 disciple John should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? So among the disciples, they really believed that John wouldn't die an interesting thought there even though the Lord didn't explicitly say that but he just said to Peter what is it to you if I allow him to live till I come which would imply till I come again this is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things and we know that his testimony is true and there are also many other things which Jesus did the which if they should be written everyone I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. And I preach today. Is God still good? Would you just speak his name one more time with your hand lifted? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. For those who might study the aftermath of the Lord's crucifixion with all of its diverse wonders and teachings, there is a particular truth found in what would be the Lord's third visitation after his resurrection. 
Our text presents the Lord as he appears to seven of his disciples on the shore of the sea they now call Tiberius. John writes of the moment just before the conclusion of his self-titled gospel. The verse of scripture will open up to the book of Acts as the New Testament church will be born. These men, seven of them, they have consented to go fishing. It was their most natural thought. It was their most natural inclination. Life had to go on. Even though Jesus had been crucified and though they had already seen him a number of times, something was different now. They did not walk with him. He was not readily present with them. The feeling of it seems to leave them in the mire of transition. It was a peculiar time, to be sure. The Lord's earthly ministry has now ended. Their course was now facing pre-Pentecost, but even that was not known. They are in a holding pattern. Think. They have left the port of their training, but not yet arrived in the field of their purpose. So they picked up their nets and boarded a boat, and throughout the night they toiled but caught nothing. Morning is about to break, and they are coming closer to the shore when they hear a voice and see a man who beckons to them to Cast their nets on the other side. They did not recognize Jesus, but they obeyed that familiar voice. And to their amazement, they caught a multitude of large fish. This was not by chance. They had caught 153 large fish that should have broken their nets, but the Bible said, yet they were not broken. Symbols and messages now leap from the page, all of their toiling, the open waters and the voice of the Lord. After the Lord's crucifixion and resurrection, he looked different. His visage, his face, he didn't look like the man he once was, but they knew his voice. And upon their catch, the evidence of his command combined with their obedience gave them assurance that indeed this was Jesus. The Lord was there, preceded them. He had made breakfast for them with a small fire. Bread was prepared. In a moment, he will speak to Peter. It was a layered lesson. But at the conclusion of the Lord's inquiry and subsequent restoration to this preacher in waiting, Peter, Jesus tells him how he will die. Jesus said, they will stretch you out. You will die in a way that is unseemly to you. You will have no control. And I quote, This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when Jesus had spoken this, he said to them, follow me. You're going to die and you're going to glorify God in death. Now follow me. Peter is disturbed, to say the least. His death was just foretold by the master. He is distraught at the news. Jesus predicts Peter's death and just says, follow me. Now John is close by, and Peter turns and he sees John following. He says to Jesus, Lord, what about John? How is he going to die? What's going to happen to him? 
I'm going to be carried away in a manner that I would not choose. You said that I will be taken, killed, murdered for your sake, stretched out. They will stretch forth my hands and another shall gird me and take me where I do not want to go. But what about John, Lord? How is he going to die? Peter, the mortal, is trying to find equality with the infinite. Peter, the creation, is trying to peer over the edge of the sovereign God. And in the end, the only reply is this, follow me. No explanation, no reasoning, no understanding given, and none found, just follow me. And it provokes this body and us and many people like us to ask, is God still good? What about John, Lord? How will he die? Because I can't hardly take it if I have to suffer and John gets by. And Jesus replies, if I will, that he tarry till I come. If I sustain him until I come back the second time. What is it to you? Just follow me. And that is the struggle, ladies and gentlemen. Peter's death was not for no cause. Peter's death was meant to glorify God. But oftentimes, that message does not set well with our American concept of Christianity, especially in a Pentecostal church, which equates God's goodness with our blessing. Let me say it, let me say it again. We're struggling with that concept in Pentecostal churches when we equate God's goodness And our blessing. What is it to you if John lives until I come? And think now, all of you who study the book of Revelation, to think that in all possibility, the two witnesses that are prophetic that will come back to preach in the book of Revelation chapter 11, which will walk the streets of Jerusalem one day, and they will be killed, and they will lie on the streets for three days, and all the world will see them, and then they'll resurrect again from the streets of Jerusalem. This is in your book of Revelation. This is going to happen. To think that those two witnesses, which will be seen by all the world, to think that one of them could be John, the possibility that John would be part of that last moment of our dispensation, but not Peter. Well, that didn't sit well with this powerful preacher to me. Peter's going to die, and John is going to live. Peter's death is predicted, and John will spend his years on the Isle of Patmos, but there's no record of his death. If I will that he tarry till I come, what is it to thee? Your death will glorify God. Follow me. If I told you that your major trouble and issues of your life was meant to glorify God, you might not receive it. And if Jesus told you by what death you should die as God's way to gain his glory in this culture today, people would often see God as cold and indifferent. But I stand here to tell you that our God is sovereign and regardless of our ideas, his will is paramount and we are still the sheep of his pasture. It all belongs to him. See, I know this in my mind, and I want to believe it in my heart, but I have to put it into my mouth. God is still good, and I've got to speak it. God is still good. I've got to confess it. God is still good. There's an entire book of the Bible given to this fact. That even if God removes the hedge that protects your life, 
He's still good. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And those words belong to our God. We do not own them. The Lord giveth and he taketh away. We cannot dictate them. We do not know why. We do not know how. We don't know what preference that. All we know is that the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. That's his part. Our part is this. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and he takes away. Job 121. But blessed be the name of the Lord. I am provoked by the Holy Spirit to ask myself and you, is God still good to you? Is he good? Is he good? Wait, wait. Is God good to you only when you are healthy? Is he still good to you when you are sick? Is he still good to you when the doctors have no answer and the medicine cannot suffice and your body is wrecked with pain and your emotions are all wrung out? Is he still good to you then? Let me ask you, is he good to you when you're lost? Is he good to you when you suffer? Is he good to you when you're disappointed? Is he good to you when everybody around you fails you? Is God still good? I think you ought to praise God and you ought to put it in your mouth. He's still good to me. I know where I'm at today, but he is still good to me. Yeah. Yes, because I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to be blessed, and you're going to stand up and say, God has been good to me. Something's going to come in the mail that you were not expecting, and you're going to say, God has been good to me. But when something does not come, and you don't feel blessed, and you don't feel right, and nothing's happened, and you are depleted, that's the moment when you really have to stand up and say, God has been good to me. Yes. 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 His sovereignty is almost entirely lost on all of us, our generation. But we're in good company because even the Lord's disciples struggled with it. That's why they questioned Jesus concerning the blind man in John 9. They're walking by the blind man. They ask him, who sinned that this man was born blind? Did his parents sin? Did he sin? As if the man could have sinned before his birth. The nonsense. Why ask a question like that? I'll tell you why. They were trying to rationalize sickness. They were also trying to attribute blame. Because people can deal with blame and people can deal with cause and effect. But we struggle with God's unknown and unknowable intent. What happens to us when his purpose is cloaked? What happens when no one is to blame or his divine purpose lays hidden forever? Jesus stepped forward to denounce their humanistic flaw when he said, no one sinned. This is not a judgment against this man or his parents. Jesus said, no one sinned. But this is so that the works of God might be manifest in him. 
God is still good. Yes, he is good. And the unknown might be buried beneath my thin layer of understanding. I may never know why at times he has stayed his hand and at other times he's taken down the hedge. But I stand here confident to tell you out of my mouth, he is still good, God. He is still good. Paul wrote it this way. For now we see through a glass darkly. But then face to face. Right now it's a cloudy mix. We cannot understand what's going on. You see through a glass. It's darkly. It's, it's, it's cracked. It's, it's kind of disfigured. You have no idea what's going on. You'll never know. Some things you will never know in this lifetime. Until you get to heaven. An entire life could be prepared for one moment. Go see Hosea, the prophet. Go check out Amos, the prophet, and so many of them. You see, the kingdom calls for momentary witnesses like that of Stephen, who was stoned right before an onlooker named Saul who would become Paul. Stephen was stoned for saying the right thing. And Saul would become Paul, would eventually be converted and then would change the world, become the greatest church planter and soul winner ever known. Because God is still good, follow me. And no one is going to understand life until we shed this false and destructive modernistic concept that God is good as long as we're at peace and in good health and have money. You may not be ready for what I'm about to tell you, but you can give sacrificially and it is appropriate And it is divinely ordered. But then the next day you might go through sudden financial ruin. That didn't nullify your sacrifice. You should have still done it. But you have to stand up and say, God's still good. But you're not going to think that. You're going to say, I gave and look what happened to me. Because God's still good when you're depleted. And when he gives and he takes away, that's his part. He can do whatever he wants. He's a sovereign God. What should be a coming out of my mouth is, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed, 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 blessed. There is a misrepresentation in the minds of people who study the scripture. Because the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. But there's a misrepresentation in that it, they think it means that his will is, for, is the same for everyone. That's not true. He doesn't respect you because you have a degree. He doesn't respect you because you have more, you have more money or because you have more stuff. All the things that, came, that you have came from God anyway. But his will might be different for you than for your brother, your wife, your husband, your children, your neighbor. Because God is sovereign And his thoughts are above our thoughts. And his ways are unknown to his servants. And no one can fully grasp them in our mind. You see, Paul, who would become Saul, he was barely a new convert when a leader of the early church named Ananias was commissioned to teach him. But Ananias didn't want anything to do with this Paul. He saw Paul. He, he, had, he had persecuted so many of the disciples. But on the road to Damascus, Jesus intervened and Paul fell from his, his horse and on the ground and a voice came. I, I submit to anyone who wants to know that the road to Damascus is the most pivotal road of them all. Not Emmaus. Not the Roman road, whatever that might mean. No, it's the Damascus road which holds the magnificent revelation of the oneness of God. That Yahweh, Lord, capital L, would answer, I am Jesus. Jesus. 
that Jesus is Yahweh, he is Jehovah in the flesh. That's what Paul found out on the road to Damascus. But after that moment, Ananias will argue with God a little. Oh, we're suspect of him, Lord. He, he, he has done great harm to the church here. But God reassured Ananias. God said, I have a work for Paul. I'm going to use him for my glory. Here it is in your Bible. The Lord said to him, go thy way, Ananias. He is a chosen vessel to me. Paul's going to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And here, watch this. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. The ministry of Paul began with a pronouncement of authority, influence, and suffering for his name's sake. I hope you can recognize him today and tomorrow. Thou art God. You are God alone. You are Lord of my life. You are the king. You're the prince. My laughter and my sorrow. It's been a few years ago. I hugged a, a pastor. His name was Brother Hammonds. H-A-M-M-O-N-S, I believe. He, we stood and cried together in my office. He told me how his daughter wanted to go to Bible school. So Brother Hammonds and his wife, who passed their church in Illinois, struggling a little bit. Money was tight at the time. In fact, he said there was, there was no money. He said, He's a pastor, there was just no money. But she wanted to go so bad. He said to her, he said, I'll help you the best I can. But she said, Dad, I don't mind working. And that's what she did. She worked and she saved and she worked through school. She planned, she relished her time. She ate up every bit of it, he told me. And while she was there, she met a young man named Josh Miller. And they married. And right after graduation, after they got married, they drove to Pennsylvania and and took on the work as youth ministers. They were so fresh and new. Young married couple. In that same year, in that very same year, in that calendar year, there was a break for Thanksgiving, and, and uh, they both got off work because they were working full-time jobs. And they packed their bags, and got all their suitcases in the car. They were coming home for Thanksgiving. I believe it was a really bad snowstorm at the time. And while they were driving, these two beautiful, very young youth workers, newlyweds, had a car accident. And both of them died in the car accident, barely 23 years old. They died on November 25th, having spent but five months together. They were excited to work with young people, preaching and teaching and holding down full-time jobs and working for the kingdom. And our God, our God decided in his divine plan, omniscient plan, he thought it was time enough. So he took them home because he is God, he is sovereign, and he is still good. And if we are to have any depth at all, then we must receive and accept and welcome that the Lord is good and that his way is always perfect and that he has never made a mistake. He is good. He is still good. And we are temporal. And we deal with human justice and flawed fairness. But I say don't lose hope. He's still a good God to you. 
And his plan is perfect. And yes, our steps are ordered of the Lord even when we are void of the understanding. He's still a good God. He is sovereign. He is the king, eternal, immortal, the only wise God. To him be glory forever and ever. Wait, wait. And he does not have to answer to us or clarify his deeds before men. Look over your shoulder, you'll find an obedient Abraham climbing Mount Moriah to sacrifice his son Isaac on a homemade altar. He had hungered for that son. He was so excited for that son. It was the only son of Sarah. Abraham climbed that mountain. He was there obedient and submission Abraham because he recognized that God was sovereign. And Abraham was not bitter that God asked him to sacrifice him. And he was not resistant to the Lord. He did not complain or shake his fist at God. He didn't say, Lord, are you going to take away your own promise he didn't accuse God of being unkind or unfair but Abraham climbed a mountain to give up his most prized possession his son and he laid Isaac down on an altar and picked up his knife to plunge it into the heart of his son thinking that maybe God might raise him back from the dead if need be who knows but the Lord sent an angel to stay his hand that altar And those bindings and that raised knife are calling out to this generation that our God is good, he's sovereign, and he will never fail. And you don't understand everything. But I say, rise up in your own spirit and tell yourself in the mirror or in your soul, blessed be the name of the Lord. You are good. We cannot put God in a box made with human philosophies or human conjectures. He's not found in our analytical approach because he's God all by himself. And he's good and still good. He's sovereign all by himself. In every season, he's God all by himself. In every trial, he's still good. In every valley, he's still good. In every loss, he's still good. Through all my trouble and struggle, he's still good. I hope you'll be faithful in your tithe because if you're not, the Bible calls you a thief. That's just the scripture. If you have a problem with the scripture, go back and ask God why he wrote that. Seems to me that thieves and robbers are not going to heaven. Oh, man. You're going you're gonna to struggle with this one. So go ahead. Change your attire. Get in the club. Speak in tongues. But if you're not given... You're not going. That's the Bible. Listen, just don't, you don't have to argue with me. Just go to the Bible. Go argue with God. Mm -hmm. I just want everyone to know, however, you won't buy your way into blessing. Wait a second. You ain't buying your way into blessing. He'll return to you, but it may not be in kind. (laughs) I gave $100. I was thinking I was going to get $100 back. Wait, wait a second. He sustains you in ways you cannot imagine. He ordered your way because you were faithful in obeying him. Wait, wait I've, been, I've, been, I've been going to church all my life and, 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 I, and, and I didn't have no financial gain. Yes, but you didn't have to bail your children out of jail. 
and you had not been in the house, you would have, you don't even know where your kids would have been. And you might, they all might have been strung out and bailing them out of jail. God's been good to you, even though you don't understand how good he's been. Come on, someone say it. He's good. Say it. He's good. Say now he's still good. Because you know he's good, but until you have trouble, you've got to stand up and say he's still good. He's good when you are on the mountain. And he's good when you get a raise. And he's good when you are healed. But he's still good. Yes. He's still good. Come on, say it. He's still good. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How about we just practice our part a little bit? He blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, let's practice our part. Blessed, blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah. Woo. You see, an arrow pierced my heart the day I went to the funeral of our good friends, Randy and Chris Brake's daughter. Uh, and Randy joined the choir to sing on the second row when the choir sang for the funeral. And both of them sat on the front row while the preacher preached the funeral service and they worshiped the Lord. Um, at the time that this happened, Aiden, another boy, was 13 years old. Um, mom and dad uh, pastor a church. Um, his grandfather was a longtime pastor. This entire family has been knee-deep in soul-winning prayer. Just the simple purity of Aiden. He's a tall kid. He's a little goofy even right now. He's kind of, he don't know what to do with his legs or his arms. And he's 15, but in his, in, in his body, he's like, you know, 10. Uh, he, he throws things at the house. He, he plays basketball with pieces of paper and wads of stuff. And his mom said, I find, you know, my nice cleaning dishes like wadded up inside of a lamp and He loves to play soccer. He sings on the praise team. He loves the Lord. He loves God so much. His parents uh, are allowing me to say this by, they, in fact, there's no apprehension, but I wanted to make sure that I had permission to tell this. And um, they're all about church and all about God. He, Aiden is just, He's just a good kid. Fun, loves everybody, you know, and following his dad, whatever his dad and mom says. He's, he has one older sister, and she's mature, and so Aiden has basically two moms. He doesn't mind that at all, because he, he, he don't really pay attention to either one of them, so it doesn't matter how many moms he has. <laughs> of course he's taller than me, but who isn't, so... Get over it. 
I'm not, but you should. <laughs> he hugs me kind of sometimes. He, he would he pass me on the head. And I said, Aiden, now stop messing up my hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Mom and dad, all they are are just people that they're teaching Bible studies. They visit everyone they can. They go to, they go to homes. They went to a, one of the saints' homes, one of the older men in the church. They went and having a little barbecue there in the backyard. And, and good man of the church, loves the Lord. And, and they're visiting him. And Aiden is, um, he's there. He's petting one of the saints' dogs. Here it is. Um, he, he petting the dog. There he is, petting that dog. And that dog is just loving it, man. He is eating it up. That dog's just on his back. That is kind of like, I think that's the sign of submission. I'm not sure. Just leave that picture there for a moment, if you will. But then the petting was over, and the dog stood up. And then the dog jumped up on his, on his shoulders. And the dog kind of growled a little bit. Of course, Aiden has no clue what's going on. And that, and that pit bull got aggressive. And all of a sudden, that pit bull bit Aiden and then ran after him and jumped on him. And that dog got on his back, and that dog opened up his mouth and took his head in his mouth. Now, I'm going to leave out a lot of pictures that I have. I'm just going to give you one, but not yet. And that dog, in a blink, in a moment of time, grabbed Aiden's head and started to scalp his head with his teeth and they all ran over and started to jump and try to separate them but the damage was done to his face and to his back of his head and Aiden was crying out saying here's what he was repeating over and over Jesus I love you Jesus I love you forgive me Jesus forgive me I love you Jesus forgive me Jesus and when they got to him it really was too late Aiden went through multiple surgeries. They put under his skin and his head, they inflated his skin on his head with a solution so his skin would, would grow and they could overlap his skin in the back of his head that had been mauled by the dog. This is the, just one of the pictures, and this is the, the most, uh, this is the easiest picture to see. And you can just take it off now. He's doing much better. He's got scars on his head here, his forehead. His lip cracked all the way open, and the back of his head is healed now. There's no rhyme or reason for that. The senior member of the church can't hardly take it. He doesn't know what to do. Dogs never responded any time like that. They've just been petting that animal. Here's a young and innocent son whose parents only follow God. They love the Lord with all of their heart. And the surgeries that would follow kept him out of school and their lives changed. The trauma, the fear, the questions, all the things that could come up. I cannot tell you the myriad of issues that could have arisen. But I learned something from that man and his wife and from Aiden himself. I said, what did you do 
they said, we thank the Lord that we got through that. And then he said, you know, pastor, God is still good. God's still good. God's still good. Do not lose faith. God's still good. Don't let go of your hope. God is still good. Don't let go of your, of, of your walk. God is still good. He's still a righteous God. I want to read it so that it can purify our hearts right now. I'm going to read it. Are you ready? The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. I'll wait for you. Day unto day uttereth speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which as is a bridegroom, the sun coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Here we go. The law of the Lord. Is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, are you ready? Is thy servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Let me just do a little recap. The fear of him, respect, honor, and fear of him is clean. It'll clean you up. The commandments open our eyes. His commandments give us understanding, enlightenment. His testimony is so sure that even simple people who have little understanding can hear the testimony of his mighty deeds and they become wise just by hearing them. God is still good to you. And this is what he's done for us today. He's brought all of us together just to tell you that he loves you. Follow him. follow him. I wish that I could tell you why. I wish I could explain all of that. But I'm so limited. Even at the peak of my understanding, I'm miles beneath the line of his understanding. His thoughts are so far above mine. But I do know this today, that in the middle of our trouble, he's still good. And you can say to me, well, pastor, you don't understand the abuse I've went through. I know. I don't understand it. But I'll tell you this. You're here today. And that means he's good to you. That means he's good to you. 
I want you to know that tomorrow you might have a struggle, but I want you to remember this word that, that the Spirit of the Lord that God has given to you, He is your God and He's good to you. You see, some things last for a season, there's a season of sickness. There are seasons in our life. We think we compare them to four months or three months or even six months. But the season might be the totality of your living here. But when this life is over, when this time is over, when your, when your earthly deeds are done, when everything is done, it might be a season. There's going to open up another door and that's going to be forever. Your season might be a few years, but at the end of it all, when this life is over... I'm going to be called away. And the songwriter said, I'll fly away. Some glad morning, I'm going to fly away. I might be in the season of turmoil here, but some glad morning, he's still good. He's preparing a home for me. He's preparing a robe for me. He's preparing a crown for me. Yes. And here's what we're going to do today. We're going to let God be God. And we are going to be the sheep of this pasture. We're going to be the Lord, be sovereign. And we are going to be the creation. And we're going to obey the word and say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you've gone through struggle and you've gone through pain and you've gone through loss and you've gone through suffering and you cannot understand it, this is the moment for you to stand and say, I bless your name, Lord. I cannot comprehend it, but I bless your name, Lord, and I recognize you are a sovereign God. Give me something kind of good, kind of up. This is, here's my flaw. Are you ready for my flaw? Here's a big flaw. I love to rejoice at the conclusion of the answer. I love to rejoice at the conclusion of the miracle. Come on, we're going to dance like nobody danced. We're going to clap like we've never clapped before. However, the flaw is that I struggle to dance and rejoice in the midst of the dark hour. And at midnight, Paul and Silas, they had no, come on now, they didn't sing so that God would get them out of jail. They didn't know what was going to happen in the next few moments. They didn't know that. What are you talking about? Well, hey, they were singing their way out. They were not singing their way out. They were singing because God is good. They just say, hey, let's just pray a little bit here. Hey, Silas, you think we're going to get out of here? Probably not. I don't know. I have no idea. We might die today. You know, we, we might die. They might beat us. They're all, we're in the inner prison of the inner prison. You know, the jailer, he'll, he'll kill himself before he lets us go. We may never get out. Okay, what do you want to do? Why don't we sing a little bit the songs that the ladies group used to sing? Why don't we pray a little bit and rejoice here? Well, I can't really get my hands going because the, the shackles are kind of keeping me from clapping. And I can't dance because I, I, I got some chains on my feet. But that does not going to hinder us. We're going to sing and we're going to pray in the middle of our midnight. We're going to rejoice when there's no exit and there's no hope and there's no light. I wonder, can you praise God and bless his name in the middle of your trouble?
wouldn't it be great if we didn't know who got a bonus and who got fired? <laughs> oh, man. I wish he wouldn't have said that. Wouldn't it be great that the children of God, you couldn't tell whether or not they were healed or whether or not they just found out the bad news? <laughs> wouldn't it be great if nobody knew that you had a flat tire and the other guy just got a brand new truck? Wouldn't it be great if we could walk in this house and the world and the neighbors and even people around us had no idea whether we've been blessed or whether we were suffering, whether we in sickness or whether we were in health. I, I know you're struggling with this, but I just got to tell you, God's still good. He still deserves everything. It may not alleviate my struggle, but I got to be obligated to God. He gives, he takes. But blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be.